Well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good to see all of you today. Let's start with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for our church. Thank you, God, so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, and it's a light for our path. So, God, we thank you so much that we get to look at and study scripture today. And, God, as we study what you have to say about prayer, I pray that we wouldn't just take it into our heads, but we would take it into our hearts, God. That we wouldn't just hear your word, but we would live your word. That we would do your word. So God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us as we seek to understand you and know you better. God, please speak through me and please use me today. God, please guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we can hear whatever it is you have to say to us. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this is week number two in our series called Holy Practices. And we're looking at different practices which are commonly called spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are things like worship and confession and fasting and prayer. Like we talked about last week, meditation. So we talked about meditation, but this week we're going to talk about the most known spiritual discipline, or the most known holy practice, prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that we practice the most and are the most familiar with. But no matter how much you've practiced prayer, no matter how many, no matter how many times you've prayed in your life, you're still going to want to know more about prayer. You know, I think about the disciples of Jesus. When they came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now they've been praying their whole lives and they still said, teach us how to pray. So what does that tell us? It tells us that we're always gonna be learning about prayer. We're always going to be growing as people that pray. And we're looking at a very short passage today in which the Apostle Paul teaches us more about prayer and if you'll look with me in your Bible, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Before we read this, I just want to say prayer is such a big subject that there's no way we can cover it all today. But our passage today is going to help us to see how to pray, how to make petitions to God, how to make prayer requests to God. And as a church that has prayer requests on our worship guides, this is something that we want to learn and look at if we are going to make requests of God. So, starting with verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So our passage today, it teaches us about prayer. But what does it teach us about prayer? 
Well, the first thing that it teaches us about prayer is it teaches us the reason for prayer. What is the reason for prayer? Well, before Paul can teach us about how to pray, he's going to teach us about why we should pray. And what is the reason that we should pray? Well, he says it in verse 5. He says, the Lord is near. Now, this is the engine for prayer. This is why we pray. In other words, if we're going to pray, we have to know that the Lord is near. Did I get that wrong, Carolyn? Oh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, and then verse 5. Are you using the New Living Translation? What does yours say? Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Okay, so yours says the Lord is at hand. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll use a little bit different way of kind of saying that. And yeah, it does have uh, kind of what you were saying before that. It says rejoice. But then... It says, the Lord is near. And so that's kind of, or like you said, the Lord is at hand. That is why we pray, because the Lord is near. Now, if we did not believe that the Lord was near, that the Lord is with us, there wouldn't really be any reason to pray. Our prayer would be just basically wishful thinking, sending out a message in a bottle, if we thought that the Lord was not near. But if we know that the Lord is near, then that gives us the excitement in the vigor to pray. That gives us a reason to pray. And Paul was one of the people in the Bible that we see praying all of the time. And we say, I want a prayer life like Paul. I want to pray like Paul. If you want to pray like Paul, you have to believe what Paul believed. And Paul believed that the Lord is near. And we know that Paul believed this because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, basically the last chapter of Paul's writings, in that, when he's talking to Timothy, he says, at my first defense, so basically at my first court case, at my first defense, no one came to my support. So no Christians in the city were there to support me. He says, but everyone deserted me. Paul says that when I was on trial, all the Christians, they left. They were not there to be with me when I went to court. And he said, may it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He said, nobody was there for me. Everybody left me. And you might feel like that at times in your life. Everybody's left me. Everybody's abandoned me. But Paul says, not everybody. No, Jesus was there. Paul could look around that courtroom, which I'm sure had to be extremely scary to look around and be alone. And he could say, I'm not alone. Why? Because the Lord is here. Like your translation said, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is with me. Paul could pray. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was here. I mean, sometimes we just rush into prayer without even really considering what we're doing. But sometimes maybe slow down before you start praying and say, wow, God is actually here. He's listening to me right now. The Lord is near. I mean, Jesus, we don't see him physically here, just as Paul didn't physically see him in the courtroom. But Jesus is here with us in church today, just as Jesus was with Paul in the court when he went to court. 
But that's not just true of church. That's true of everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you can look around and know Jesus is here, and because he's here, I can talk to him. Holy practices are, what, are ways, like we said last week, of saying to God, here I am. In prayer, saying, here I am to speak to you, to talk to you, to share my request with you, to tell you what's on my heart, and to know that he will listen to us. So before we do that, we have to know that he's listening. If there's somebody on the other end of the line, that is going to be the engine behind why we pray. The Lord is near. So from that, we see the reason for prayer. But our passage also shows us the practice of prayer. What does it look like to practice prayer? What does it look like to do prayer? Well, look at verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. That's what it looks like to practice prayer. That's what it looks like to pray. Now, what we have to understand is that the Bible never tells us that we can eliminate worry. A lot of times when you're filled with anxiety or worry, somebody might say to you, well, just stop worrying. Stop worrying. Has that ever worked for you before? Maybe for like 20 seconds. And then you go back to worrying, right? Well, the Bible never says stop worrying. Actually, it does say that, but it doesn't just say that. It does say to stop worrying, but it says replace your worry with something else. You cannot eliminate worry. You cannot get rid of worry. You can only replace it with something else. And here we see Paul saying, replace your worry with the Lord. Look to the Lord. Anxiety looks to ourselves. But prayer looks to God. And we even hear Jesus saying this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. One of our most famous Bible passages, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Is that it? No, Jesus goes on. A lot of people stop right there. Do not worry. But Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But hear this. This is what I mainly want you to hear. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did Jesus say, stop worrying. Your worries are stupid. Your worries are meaningless. Just stop worrying. No, he doesn't say that. He says, of course, you have many things to worry about, but seek first the kingdom of God, and you'll find that all of those things fall into place. Don't seek those things first. Seek God first. In other words, Jesus doesn't just tell us to not worry. He says, replace your worry with me. In other words, stop looking to yourself and your own abilities and look to me and my ability to help you. Paul doesn't say stop being anxious. He says change your anxieties into prayer. In other words, pray your worries. Pray your worries. And that is, if there's one thing I want you to remember this week, pray your worries. Anytime a worry pops into your head this week, and I know they will, pray about it. Talk to God about it. Because a lot of times, worries pop into our heads and we sit with them and we hold on to them and they grow and grow and it becomes anxiety. And of course, that's normal. But like our hymn earlier said, oh, what peace we often forfeit all because we do not take it to the Lord in prayer. And when we take our worries to the Lord in prayer, we find peace that we didn't have before. Why? Because we're talking to God about what we're going through. We're talking to God about our anxieties. Your anxieties can be big or they can be small. Whatever it is, you can tell it to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus about it. You can say, oh, I'm, I'm worried that what I said to my friend came across the wrong way. What if they don't want to be my friend anymore? What if they don't like me? Tell it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm, I'm worried about, about that. I'm, I'm struggling with this thought. And Sometimes when you say it out loud, you say, oh, that's actually not a big deal at all. I was so worried about something that was small. And sometimes it is a huge deal. Sometimes somebody you're worried about somebody being in the hospital or being sick. That's not something that's small. But whatever it is, pray your worries. Talk to God about your worries. Anytime you have a worry this week, and I specify this week because sometimes we have to focus a lot at building a new habit. But this week, just try it. Just try it. Just try anytime you have a worry, praying your worry, telling God your worry. And you'll find that God gives you peace and helps you through that worry. Which leads us to the final thing that Paul says, and the final reason that we have for praying is the result of prayer. The result of prayer, which we find in verse 7, is that when you ask God to be with you in all of your circumstances and worries, you receive a peace that transcends all understanding. Look what he said in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the result of prayer. The peace of God, like we talked about, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When he says guard, that's a military term that he's using in Greek. Whenever they used that word, it meant for a military garrison to guard a city. He says when you pray,
present your request, your prayer request to God, the peace of God sets up a guard, like a military defending a city around your heart. Now, they would be familiar with this because they're in Philippi, they're in a Roman colony, they're seeing the most, or the best military that they have at the time. But Paul knows that there's something greater than the Roman military, and it's God. And his peace guards your heart when you take everything to him in prayer. But how does he describe that peace that surrounds our hearts when we take everything to God in prayer? He says it's a peace that transcends. It's a peace that transcends all understanding, which means that for most of the world, if circumstances are bad, well, then we shouldn't have peace. If circumstances are good, well, then we should have peace. But Paul says when you take everything to the Lord in prayer, you'll have a peace that doesn't follow that logic. You'll have a peace that transcends understanding. It reminds me of a, a country song that I heard in high school. Now, we all know that country songs are good at telling stories. Well, maybe not all of them are. Some of them tell some pretty dumb stories. But some of them tell, tell some pretty good stories. And one of them that I heard when I was in high school and it really stuck with me was a song by John Michael Montgomery. It's called The Little Girl. Now, in this song, it's about this little girl who lives with two parents who don't ever take her to church. They don't take really good care of her at all. Uh, there's no kisses for this little girl. There's no hugs for this little girl. They don't take her to church. Uh, said that the dad pretty much spent the day drinking. The mom pretty much spent the day doing drugs. And things just got worse and worse for this little girl. She had a sad, sad life. And eventually, the household got worse and worse to the point to where uh, they were cursing at each other and hitting and slapping at each other. And one night, the dad apparently came home in a drunken rage, and he shot and killed the mom, and then shot and killed himself as the little girl hid behind the couch. And so that's a sad story, but that's not the ending of the story. The song says that some people from the city took her away from that house, and she got a new mom and a new dad, and there were kisses and hugs every day. And eventually her new parents took her to Sunday school, and she saw a picture of Jesus. And she said, that man, I know that man up there on that cross. I don't know his name, but I know he got off because he was there in my old house and he held me close to his side as I hid there behind our couch the night that my parents died. You hear what that song is saying? It's saying that even during the darkest moment of that little girl's life, Jesus was with her. And that gave her peace that transcends all understanding. She should not have peace because her circumstances are bad. But she has peace because she knows that Jesus is there. She knows that Jesus cares. She knows that Jesus cares about all of our needs. Not just some, but all of our needs. And unless you know that Jesus is with you, then you won't have that peace that transcends all understanding. 
But when you pray and you say the Lord is near, He is with me, I can take all my requests to Him, then of course you'll have peace that transcends all understanding. Because when you pray, when you pray for the sick, think about our prayer list, our prayer requests. When you pray for the sick, you can know that Jesus is holding that person's hand. When you pray for the brokenhearted, you can know that Jesus is crying with that person. And when you praise God, when you celebrate, you can know that Jesus is celebrating with you, too. And when you feel crushed by worry and anxiety, you can know that Jesus is the one that's holding you up. I read somebody this week who talked about when they pray, uh, they like to visualize Jesus kind of like we talked about. He talked about praying for a sick little baby. And as he prayed for that sick little baby, he visualized Jesus walking up to that baby and, and laying his hands on that baby. That was already a reality. But in prayer, he could see that reality. And prayer helps us to see that God is with us. He cares about what we care about. And he takes care of our needs. And what we're doing is we're not saying if I pray for someone, they're automatically going to be healed or they're automatically going to get better. Maybe not. But what we're doing when we pray is saying, God, I'm holding this person up to you in your love. I'm holding this person out to you and I'm trusting them with you. And God, I want them to be better. I want them to be okay. But God, I trust you to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. I'm holding them up in your love. And when we pray, we can know that that is a reality. We can picture Jesus who know that he is with us and he's listening to us. Not just hearing us in one ear and out the other. No, listening to us. Now, prayer means that we can talk to God about anything because God cares about everything. It's that every situation and everything pray. That means that God cares about everything, and yet sometimes we believe that God doesn't care about the little things in our lives. I can only go to God with big things in my life. But no, God cares about everything. Richard Foster, he put it this way. He said, in prayer, here we must see the Abba heart of God, so the fatherly heart of God. In one important sense, nothing is more important to him than the anxiety we feel over the surgery surgery we must face tomorrow and the exasperation we feel today over our child's irresponsibility and the desperation we feel over the plight of our aging parents. These are matters of great magnitude to him because they are matters of great magnitude to us. It is a false humility to stand back and not share our deepest needs. His heart is wounded by our reticence. Just as we long for our own children to share with us the petty details of their day at school, so God longs to hear from us the smallest matters of our lives. It delights Him. It delights Him when we share. God is waiting for us to take our needs to Him. God wants us to share our needs with Him. Just as if you have a kid and they need to be comforted, you want them to come to you, hopefully, so that you can comfort them. 
And God is the same way. He wants you to take all of your needs to him. He's looking forward to you because he can take care of all of them. But prayer is you inviting him to take care of them. So we can pray because we know that God cares and we know that God cares because he came to us and laid down his life on the cross. Now it's impossible for you to look at the cross, know what it means and say, God doesn't care. No, if you believe in what the cross means, if you believe that God would lay his own life down for you, how could you believe that he doesn't care about you? How could you believe that he doesn't care about all of your prayer needs? No, he cares deeply about them. And when you know that Jesus cares deeply about your needs, then you can take all of your needs to Jesus. Once you know that Jesus is excited to hear from you, only then can you be excited to talk to him. And Jesus is excited to talk to you and to hear from you. Not just from us, yes, from us, but also just from you, as if you were the only person alive. Now, I'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. What is our response to this? What should our response be to this? It says, let us then approach God's throne. In other words, let us pray with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that we can approach the throne of grace confidently because of Jesus. Because we know in Jesus that we're cared for, we're going to approach the throne of grace confidently, and we're going to ask for help in our time of need, God. And we know, God, that you won't ignore us. You'll hear us, you'll listen to us, and you'll love us through all of it, God. And prayer is such a big subject, God. But God, I pray that this week we wouldn't overcomplicate it, God, that any time we have a prayer request, that we'll present it to you, God. Anytime we have worry or anxiety, that we will pray it out loud and give it to you and surrender it to you, God. And we know that when we do that, dear Lord, we will have a peace that transcends all understanding because it's in your hands. And that doesn't mean we don't do anything about our prayer requests. It just means that we know that we're not alone in our prayer requests. We know we're not alone in our needs and our troubles. We know that prayer is inviting you in to share those with us. We love you. We thank you. And we're amazed, God, that you're listening to us right now. Pray that we wouldn't take it for granted, but that we would just be astounded that the God who created us is listening to us. Always. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.